Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the ISBA BursaCast podcast. It is, of course, another Friday focus, and today's topic is radon in schools. We have a very special guest joining us. Rebecca Coates is an expert from Property Co. on all things radon, and she joins us today to dive into this crucial topic that affects the safety of our schools, students and staff. Now, you might be wondering what exactly is radon and why should independent school bursars be concerned? Well, you're in the right place because Rebecca is here to provide us with valuable insights and guidance on what you need to know about this silent, invisible threat. Throughout this episode, we'll explore the potential risks posed by radon in school environments, its sources, and most importantly, the steps that bursars should be aware of to ensure the safety of their school communities. So, whether you're a bursar, educator, or simply someone passionate about the safety of our schools, this episode will answer all of your questions about all things radon. So, without taking up any more of your time with a lengthy intro, let's just jump right in. Well, I'm joined by Rebecca Coates, who is Head of Radon Projects at Property Co. Thanks for being here, Rebecca. No problem. Nice to be here. Absolutely. And we're discussing today the important topic of radon in schools and it's particularly pertinent at the moment for a reason that we'll get onto shortly but before we do let's just start the, the beginning of this who are property co and sort of why are you the experts on radon right so um property co we are specialists in radon that is all we do we've been doing this for about 12 years now and um, just specializing in radon so uh, we carry out testing for clients. We do consultancy, so advice on when and where you might need to test for radon. And then if you do find high levels of radon in any building, we can advise on the remedial systems that need to be installed. We can install those, we can maintain them um, and come up with yeah, future um, testing programs that you might need. So anything to do with radon, we're happy to advise on and consult with you and work to make sure that you are compliant. There we are. You're clearly the people to come to and the right people to be speaking to about this. So start at the beginning of the radon journey. For those who aren't, you know, chemists, what is radon? Okay, so it's something that a lot of people, they're not aware of unless they've had specific reason to become aware of it. They've never heard of it still. So radon, it's naturally occurring radioactive gas that comes from the ground. Um, it's all around us, all over the world. There's uranium deposits deep in the soil and the rocks beneath us. When uranium decays naturally over many, many years, it has decay products that it decays into and ultimately decays into radon, which is a gas. And so uranium deposits aren't going to move out of the ground, but because radon is a gas, it can move through um, fissures in the rocks and up through the pores and the soil and things. And because it can move, it can get inside our buildings. It's a radioactive gas. And um, so unfortunately, that is not good for our health. Um, long-term exposure to high levels of radon can lead to lung cancer. And it is the, the biggest cause of lung cancer in non-smokers uh, worldwide and certainly in the UK. So it's something that people need to be aware of. You can't see radon, you can't smell it or can't taste it. So there's no way of knowing it's in your building unless you've done a specific test for it. Okay, sure. So that's a little bit like carbon monoxide, but also not because it's not such instant results. You, you don't notice things straight away, which is I guess, part of the issue with it as well. It is. There's a long latency period. It's usually exposure over a number of years. And then it takes time for cancers and symptoms of lung cancer to develop. So it's not something that you immediately sort of carbon monoxide poisoning. If you're lucky, you get symptoms, a headache, and you feel drowsy, and you know there's an instant problem with radon. Unfortunately, there's no warning signs until it's too late. 
which is why it's really important that people are aware it's something that you need to be testing for and doing risk assessments for. Sure. So I'm sure it's one of those things that gets put to the, the bottom of a bursa's pile because it's sort of, oh, that's a future problem. Why has this particularly come up at the moment? What's happened? What's been the catalyst for this to be top of our pages? So it's been a health and safety issue. It's been there for many years that it's something that should be included in workplace radon risk assessments. However, a couple of years ago, the health and safety executive were alerted or found a school and it was an independent school um, that had particularly high levels of radon. Um, and hadn't dealt with it how it should have been dealt with at the time. That caused the health and safety executive to contact over 60 schools in that local authority area, private and public schools, um, state schools, to check that they had done their radar risk assessments. This caused a lot of activity, um, a lot of schools testing, and it was fantastic from our point of view, because a lot of schools who weren't aware that they should have been testing then had to do their risk assessments, and they did. That original school that HSC found they were actually this summer, so it was in July 2023, it, the case was in court and they were prosecuted, found guilty, breaching the regulations, health and safety regulations, that they had not adequately taken adequate steps um, to protect the staff and students and other users of the school from radon. And that is a big thing. That is the first prosecution that there's ever been in the UK, and I believe in Europe, for a radon-related health and safety breach. So it's quite landmark. Um, it happened to be an independent school. Uh, it could have been any employer, but it was an independent school. Um, so that has created quite a lot of awareness and possibly some concern in the independent school sector, um, which is why it's great today that I can talk with you. Um, we can spread some more awareness, hopefully some reassurance on what needs to be being done um, to ensure people don't fall foul of the regulator. And more importantly, they are protecting the people that are using their buildings. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a number of regulations in place currently. Yes, so absolutely. So the first step that any employer has to do, and this is a school or an office, whatever it might be, um, the first step is that you need to check whether your building is likely to be affected by high levels of radon. Uh, And it does vary according to geology. So different parts of the country are more likely to be affected, and that's due to the geology underneath. There's a way that you can check that for free. You can go to, so the UK Health Security Agency, which is the government department that advise on radon. They have a website, which is ukradon.org, where there's a map, an interactive map. You put in your postcode, your school's postcode, and it will tell you the probability of having high levels of radon in that building. It's just an estimate, but that is the place to start. If the probability is more than 1%, um, then that area is designated as a radon-affected area. Um, And where it's a radon-affected area, if it's more than 1% chance of having high levels of radon, you have to carry out radon testing. The other instance where you have to carry out radon testing is if uh, the property has a basement, and that's regardless of where it is in the country, um, because obviously basements are below ground, there's a higher probability that the gas may find its way in from the ground. So it doesn't matter where your school is, if you've got a basement, you need to do radon testing. Gosh, so that's basements... Anywhere, so if any school has a basement, yeah. they'd need to get radon tested. Yes, they do. And in that instance, you would test the basement and a ground floor room above and probably adjacent, just to make sure. If it doesn't have a basement, you test a proportion of the ground floor rooms and some first floor rooms as well. And I mean, if rather than having a full-scale basement, if there's a, you know, a, a storeroom that's below ground, that still counts? It does, depends on how long it's occupied. So the threshold is if it's occupied for 50 hours or more a year. So that's about an hour a week. So if it's a boiler room, people where they go down and check the meters and things, it might meet that threshold, it might not. 
And um, if it's archiving, and people, you know, very rarely go down there, but it's where you store the Christmas tree and someone goes and gets all the decorations out for the school once a year, it probably wouldn't meet that occupancy threshold. But quite often, it's not that hard to get up to yet an hour a week of someone accessing the basement. And so looking at, obviously, the geology of the UK, in terms of the actual building materials, are there certain building materials or building you know, structures that perhaps a little bit like the recent, obviously, the, the rack issue that we've just had, we were told to look for, you know, buildings built mid, mid-century and this sort of style. With radon, obviously, it's to do with the ground, but are there certain, you know, perhaps buildings that you need to be extra aware of or things to keep an eye out for? Not particularly. It's one of those funny things that it can affect any building of any age, any size. So certainly buildings with basements or if you have a large floor void, suspended floors, an undercroft, something like that, sometimes that can give rise to lots of gas accumulating there and then coming up into the occupied rooms above. But no, we test old buildings, we test new buildings, and it can be found, high levels can be found anywhere. Sometimes the newer buildings, even if they've been supposedly built with radon protection in, if that which would be maybe a gas-proof barrier, if that hasn't been installed absolutely perfectly, but then the rest of the building is now very well sealed with insulation um, to keep it nice and airtight for energy conservation reasons, Sometimes that can have higher levels than an old building that's got no radon protection in at all, but it had quite drafty windows and it was well ventilated. But equally, an old building where there's nothing on the ground, it's basically, yeah, the ground floor is laid straight on dirt. We can find very high levels in those buildings. It does really depend on the geology underneath and then that indoor environment, how much gas is being drawn in and kept there. So unfortunately, if I'm looking at a building, there's no way to know until you've done a test. Sure. And so is there anything that bursas can do before reaching out to an external supplier to check if there's perhaps levels of radon around? So the first thing to do is to check the map and check whether that puts you in a radon affected area. And it is colour coded and the darker brown on the colour, it starts at a cream colour. The darker the brown it gets, the higher the risk it is. So if it's anything... So if it's black, are you you're knackered well if it's the darkest brown color is um the risk banding is greater than 30 percent chance of having high levels of radon so that's Crikey. more than is that pretty rare no no there's if you look at the map most of Devon and cornwall is that color large parts of wales the midlands there are lots of areas that are that color um but bath is that color i live in bath i'm in yeah the more than 30 percent risk area at home i've tested my properties i've lived in basement lower ground floor masonette in the center of bath i've lived in a new build further out and both have been absolutely fine and i've had much lower than what you call the action level the level at which you have to take action so there is no way of knowing usually so if it's more than one in three that's still a probability of up to two in three chance that you don't have a problem so it's not necessarily going to be something that you need to set aside versus need to set aside massive budgets for and think, oh, crikey, this is going to you know, decimate our budgets for the next year. It's not. The testing can be done relatively inexpensively. If you find you haven't got high levels at all, then that's something you only have to repeat once every 10 years. And so it's not something that needs to be done annually or particularly regularly. It's at least once every 10 years. If the levels come back and you've got a problem, obviously you need to deal with that and you would then need more regular retesting. 
But if and if the levels are sort of marginal, we might advise you retest once every five years or once every two years to keep an eye on things because levels do fluctuate all the time. Okay, wow. So yeah, but generally speaking, ten years make a good note of it in your health and safety yeah. risk assessment, and then hopefully put it to bed for a bit if you're yeah. not living. Is I suppose is is it granite that is particularly bad for radon? All sorts of things. That's the thing that people mainly mainly say. Oh, it's granite. It's in the granite cities. Yes, it is. Um, but there's all sorts of different geologies um that do give rise to it. And you would think there's certain geologies you where you would think there certainly won't be any radon there. So think of London, city of London. Lots of it's built on clay. We go and test basements in London and you think, oh, nothing's going to get through sort of wet clay. You're not going to get gas coming through that. Yes, it can. And it does. So, unfortunately, we can't rule anything out. Scary, but good to know, I suppose. Uh, And in these cases, and this is perhaps, you know, quite a a law orientated question. Who's liable if there's a new build and there appears to be radon? Is the contractor liable or is the school liable if there's issues to be It would depend on what was in the contract and what they said they're going to deliver so the builder has to follow building regulations and install things to a certain standard and um, it would be very difficult to prove um unless you had someone on site doing constant site inspections that they hadn't done that so what i would recommend if you are having new construction new buildings put up make sure that they are putting in the protection that they need to which is a gas proof barrier uh, and then if it's in a higher risk area they also need to build in and the facility to have some active mitigation with ventilators so forced fans at some point in the future so make sure they're doing what they need to be doing there try and get it inspected building control should inspect it the trouble is if building control or someone comes for these smoke testing things to check there's no gaps in your membrane you can get a certificate to say brilliant it's all sealed now but as soon as that person leaves site someone could walk across with a shovel and put a hole in the membrane no one sees it and then the building gets built. So it is hard to point the finger. The important thing is though, if you have new building put up and you're in a radon affected area, always test it on completion. Because a lot of people think, oh, it's brand new. They'll have done what they need to do in the building. It'll be protected. I don't need to test it. Yes, you do still need to test it. And there are new builds that fail. We find high levels in because if the maybe the workmanship or the design hasn't been done correctly, and then once you have all this new insulation and things, it just exacerbates the issue because you get more gas being drawn in and because you have a bigger pressure difference in the building, more gas is drawn in and then retained there so you get higher levels. So it's really important to um, test new buildings. And if you do any um, refurb work on your existing building, something like upgrading the windows, um, there was research that found that changing old windows for double glazed windows on average, increases your radon concentration by 60% in that building. So if you started with a very low radon level, a 60% increase still isn't going to put it at high, but if it's sort of marginal, and then you're doing that, and then if you might add wall insulation or loft insulation, something like that, quite quickly, you are then going to get above the level you need to do something. So let's say that some radon has been found in my basement, and I'm a bursar. Uh-huh. Or perhaps in a in a, a room from the school, how quickly can it be dealt with? So it depends how busy a contractor might be. So the first thing that you need to do is to have a design survey, and um, there is not a sort of one size fits all mitigation solution to deal with radon, particularly in basements. Basements can be a bit trickier to deal with because we don't know exactly where the gas is coming in. Might be coming in through the ground, might be coming through this wall, might be coming through this wall. We don't know. Um, so we'd need to come and do a design survey. Um, and that would be it's 
It's to do with specialist ventilation, changing the pressure relationship between the ground and the building um, and diverting where you want the gas to go. Typically, when we design systems for schools, we need to install them when the school isn't open or operational because it can be a bit noisy with drilling. We don't want to be disrupting the school day. So we tend to try and schedule school works for holidays. They were always very busy, half term, Easter holidays, summer holidays, doing remedial work. So we usually try and do them then, uh, all weekends potentially, if necessary. The thing to remember with radon is it's a long-term issue. So if you do find you've got high radon levels, you do need to appoint a radiation protection advisor who will advise whether there's any immediate steps you need to take to limit exposure. So whilst you're waiting for this remedial work to happen, they may say, okay, you need to limit access to this room. Let's say it's the basement. You say, okay, it depends on what the radon level is. People can only access it for half an hour a day, or you have to exclude access to that room completely if the levels were very, very high in the short term whilst you're waiting for the remedial works to be done. Uh, and is, is it just a practice of proofing the buildings and pumping the gas out? So it's something that has to run constantly. So radon is coming from uranium deposits in the ground, which are never going to go away in our lifetime. They're always going to be there continually emitting radon. So it's not something that, you know, we come along, sort of vacuum it out, suck it out, and it's gone. It's a system that is running 24-7 for the lifetime of that building now. And see, that sounds scary in terms of, that sounds expensive. So there are running costs to do with the fans. And... Um, uh, electrical, obviously, electrical energy prices have gone through the roof at the moment, and um, so the fans do cost a little bit of money to run every day. Um, it's, I believe, it's probably about 170 pounds a year electrical costs on a standard fan at the moment. If you need it, are, are these specialist radon fans? They are, or are they just fans? They are specialist radon okay. fans. So these are the types of fans where, uh, if we install something called a radon sump, which is putting a small hole under the building where the gas is drawn towards because there's lower pressure there. Um, and then we have pipe work that looks like a drain pipe up the side of the building. And then incorporated in that pipe work is a fan that looks like a football shape with the pipe work passing through the middle. That's drawing the gas out from what we call the radon sump, that void underneath. Uh, and dispelling it usually above ease level and um, through the top of the pipework. So you may need one of those sumps. You may need a few. If it's a large school, large building, multiple buildings with issues, you may need several of those. To install each one of those sumps, it depends what we're drilling for and um, what the building's made of. But you might be thinking very roughly in the region of maybe two to three thousand pounds per sump to install. So that's supply and fit and everything for that and then you've got the running costs of it but it's not the expense of you know we're not knocking down buildings lifting up floors it's usually done from outside the building and a lot of or not a lot but a number of, of independent schools that are our members some of the buildings are listed what's the practice with that so that can complicate things slightly because the preservation officers get slightly cross if you start drilling holes in listed buildings but they do have a pragmatic view that if it's a health and safety issue, we have to do something. And so there are different techniques we can use, sometimes where it's adding ventilation inside the building and all we need is an air input, so a vent or something. Sometimes we can find a vent that's not being used, take something else off that, like an old fan that isn't being used, connect up to that so we're not putting any extra penetration through the building. Sometimes we can design it and we've got some lovely sort of cast iron heritage fancy style grills that look old and not like a modern aluminium louvered vent to use. 
Sometimes we can install pipework underground and run it away from the building so it then pops up with the fan in a hedge at the bottom of the car park or something if necessary. So there are ways around it. And we have worked, yeah, with listed buildings. Uh, and then the, just to kind of begin to, to wrap up, uh, what other considerations do you think versus should really be thinking about? So firstly, the most important thing is to do your radar risk assessment, firstly. And that could be as simple as a piece of paper. So I've got some templates that I'll put. I believe you can have a link to these. And I think they're in the ISBA library, members library somewhere already. But we'll make sure we share a link afterwards. Fairly simple. I've checked the maps. We're in this percentage risk band. No, we don't have a basement. Okay, we're at low risk of radon, so we don't need to do any testing. Or check the risk bands. Yes, we are in a high risk area. So we're going to do the testing. We've done the testing. The results are X, Y, Z. This is what our next plan is. We're going to retest in 10 years. So the really important thing at the moment is to make sure you have got a piece of paperwork somewhere to show that you're looking at this. So if HSE come and inspect you, it's not, oh, we haven't thought about that or we didn't know about radon. You've got some evidence to show, yeah, we're on the case. We've done what we need to or we are in the process of doing. They don't necessarily expect you to have done it already if you weren't aware. But now there is growing awareness. There isn't really the excuse anymore to say, oh, we didn't know. So we need to be getting on the case with it and documenting and doing what's what's necessary. And radon testing is really easy. It's these placed around the building. This is a radon detector. Put a few of these. We can calculate how many you need. Put them around. It's not one in every room. It sits there for three months, comes back to the lab for analysis. And then you get your results report and act on that. As easy as that? As easy as that. It's not a painful process. Yeah, hopefully not. Um, okay, wow. So that would thank you so much for, for coming on and, and taking us through all of that. I feel much wiser now to the perils of radon yes. than I did before. <laughs> the purpose, so I always try and say to people, I'm trying to alert you, not alarm you. With knowledge is power. So once you're aware, you can make your own decisions, you can act accordingly. But what we don't want is people running off scared and thinking, uh, oh, we're all going to die from radon. That's not the case. It's just something, it's a compliance issue. We need to get on top of and if you do find high levels deal with them and this obviously comes off the back of us us being the isba just having our health and safety and estates conference it was a great day and hopefully we'll we'll see you there at the next one hopefully i would love to come um yeah and talk to people more about radon and we'll see what the next year brings hopefully no more prosecutions um mm. but yeah all the information is out there now so if people yeah get on with doing the radon risk assessments is my message marvelous and before we go where can people find you and is it property co what's the email for that yeah so our website is www.propertyco.co.uk feel free to email me my email is rebecca.coates at propertyco.co.uk or we've got a hello at propertyco.co.uk email address if that is easier i'd be happy to hear from anyone and help you out even if you've just got any queries done radon testing and you think do i need to do it again i can have a look at your results and advise you on that so yeah do feel free to get in touch and use me as a radon resource superb and we have of course in the reference library one of your risk assessments as well so that's definitely the place to start we think yes superb rebecca i'll let you get back to your busy thursday thank you so much for taking the time thanks leo and there we are the end of another episode thank you so much to rebecca for coming on to tell us all about radon Please do check the show notes to see all the details of things like the radon maps and links to PropertyCo's website. As always, please do share this with members of your team if you think they'll find it useful. And be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening so you never miss an update from us. 
The only other thing to add is please keep an eye out for our next episode, which will be out next Thursday and next Friday for another Friday Focus, where we'll be discussing all the details of VAT on schools and what this might mean. It'll be a real deep dive with John Murphy and Kieran Smith, so not one to be missed. If you think there are topics that we haven't covered that you'd like to see, please do email podcast at the isba.org.uk. We love hearing from you, and this podcast is, of course, for you. So with all that taken care of, till next week, farewell. Farewell.